Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Um, okay, so welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. My name is Stephen and uh, today uh, we've got, well we're calling this um, In Conversation, aren't we? Is that is that what we decided last time? Yeah. In Conversation with uh, producer Bob and um jordan from the shund experience welcome both hello hello thank you for having me again of course yeah. um so we, we kind of think this is a bit of a thing feels like a lot sort of late night sort of you know after you put the kids to bed just just kind of chill out with a glass of wine and listen to in conversation with maybe yeah. i don't know maybe that's what it is <laughs> i like that yeah, yeah i think that's it um so welcome uh, again and it's great to to have you both on the show so what what exciting things have been happening to you over the last few weeks okay well we were just saying that the shund experience popped my football cherry <laughs> the other week <laughs> <laughs> oh i think that's that's relevant to the conversation it, it kind of is yeah it kind of is and took me to a what did you take me to jordan your first football match my first football match yeah excellent and it was brilliant fun it was great great fun and uh and jordan's potty mouth um offended <laughs> you or not didn't offend me i was just i was just saying uh, i said to jordan because obviously our backgrounds i'm mm. kind of not used to swearing yeah and i'm not like you know weird about it yeah. but it was just to be in a football environment where loads of people obviously are very passionate it was just like wow <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but it was just brilliant it was brilliant fun i really enjoyed it and i have to say first time i've been in a football ground without any length skirt ah, and uh singing praises mm. to the governing body <laughs> it's much better use for uh, for a stadium of that size i think personally and uh i think you had a toned down version because obviously the result wasn't too bad it ended in a draw i think if it was a different score line you might have seen a slightly more slightly more rage well less zen jordan experience. i think you would have had <laughs> should we say put it yeah, mildly it went well and um I even learned all the new fo the football chants and everything. Okay. It was brilliant. So are you a West Ham fan now? Is that is that what you've become? Um, uh, Wow, well, I, I, I suppose I am by default Ooh, now, aren't I? Steady. I, think, I don't know what my dad will say about that because that he's is... not... He's, uh, obviously, we're the Blues, you know, we're, we're a Birmingham yeah. City family. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's, uh, that's tricky. Um, yeah, I think the other thing that I, um, I always think when I go to watch a football match, which hasn't been for years, by the way, um, but in relation to what you said, Jordan, is that yet yeah, the seats uh, that you sit in in a football match are exactly right for sitting there for an hour and a half, two hours, aren't they? 
but they're not good for sitting there for eight hours. <laughs> for three days as no, well. Eight, exactly. Three eight-hour yeah. days. Exactly. Well, it used to be seven yeah. back in the day when my uh, mum I don't remember that. I do remember the five-day ones. Um, do I do, but I don't I remember, remember the, the I remember days. the four-day ones. Yeah. Mm. Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Sunday. Bet you don't remember them, Jay, do you? No, I've always been a <clears throat> so I've I've always been a three day convention child. I think I, it, uh, it's all got a lot easier, really. You know, uh, not wanting to sound like an old fogey. You know, in my day, um, <laughs> used to sit on the terraces for five days, and you pioneer for <laughs> ninety hours a, a month. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. And then um, who remembers? Your parents struggling with bags mm. of blankets and oh, well, yeah. Yeah. sleeping bags even and mm. oh it was freezing and I have to say I used to really love it when they used to do the dramas and of course they'd all be on the football yeah. pitch wouldn't That's they right. for that but without fail it always rained <laughs> so there was this torrential rain wasn't there like in the UK and it would like yeah. be really sheets of it mm. coming down and actually, Jordan, didn't you tell me you were in a drama once? You actually, I was, yeah, in 2008. I was sure. about 13. And oh, wow. I was a slave boy slash <laughs> one of the uh, brothers who set up each different scene in between uh, transitions as well. So I yes, had like a multi-purpose it. role. I had like two <laughs> lines to remember. Okay. Um, I say remember, you don't say them anyway, but no. you just got to mind them. But That's uh, right. Luckily, it was at the Millennium Stadium, so if it did rain, they could shut the roof ah, there at least, yeah. you know. Yeah. But um, ah. but yeah, that was my only experience of, of taking part in a boy. drama. And, and as a slave boy, yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it. I don't know. I love it. Well, I've been a slave to Watchtower for twenty three <laughs> years. So... I can say, wasn't that <laughs> yeah exactly so the definition that. of being a just slave. modern day? Yeah. <laughs> Minus right. the uh, the robe. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, this is a great conversation. I feel like I, I want to carry on with this one, but uh, we've committed <laughs> to doing a different conversation because we um, we've been reviewing some of the lectures that were on the um, the International um, Association for Cultic Studies convention, um, which is um, known as ICSA, which is always a bit um, problematic, I guess, at the moment because it's got nothing mm. to do with the ICSA that. Obviously, lots of XJWs and others are talking about it's. This is yes. the uh, Cultic Studies Association, which is um, a really interesting group. Actually, they they've been around for quite a few years, and um, yeah, I'm hoping to sort of get more involved. But um, they have a convention every year, and this was the one for this year. And we've done a couple of those already, those lectures. But this one is by a psychotherapist called Donnie Whitsett. Yeah, um, I do believe. And um, her specialization or her, her area is obviously in therapy, but she kind of specializes in um, recovery from sexual abuse, from sexual trauma. Um, so that's kind of the, the subject matter that we're going to be discussing. So I should say right from the beginning that um, obviously, um, firstly, none of us are qualified therapists. Um, so what we're doing here is we're interpreting what we've heard and we're talking about it so don't assume that what we say is some sort of oh yeah that's you know they said that on that so let's do that so we're not you know we are by no means experts in this area um so we should say that first and also we do talk we're likely to talk a little bit about sexual trauma because that was partly what the 
presentation was about. So if that's something you've experienced and you're not sure how you're going to cope with that, then, you know, this might not be for you at this time. So obviously use your own judgment on that. And finally, if you've got kids, I don't expect we're going to get into really heavy stuff, but it might not be appropriate for the young'uns. So I think that's mm-hmm. all the the sort of uh, the, the things done, the disclaimers mm-hmm. done. So, um, so who wants to yeah. kick off with this? Um, so I'm, I'm kind of blaming you for doing this, uh, Producer Bob, because... Uh, you're the one who said, oh, I found that really interesting. So uh, I think I'm going to get you to maybe give us a little bit of background about the presentation. What was it about? And then maybe we dive into some of the detail. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, <clears throat> the reason that I really wanted us to talk about this was obviously because it is such a um, underspoken about subject, but in some ways, one of the major yeah. subjects of yeah anybody that's been involved in a high control group or religion or in our case what we consider a cult because again I reiterate at the start all three of us were brought up in the Jehovah's Witness um, group or religion and um, right from the beginning um, it it is obviously one of their main teeth what the, one of the things that they do actually put onto their members and also what to, uh, sorry what Donnie was talking about when she did focus on sexual abuse actually very apt at the moment because mm. in the news particularly in the UK and I know that we've been asking our followers on JW Watch who um, have been able to watch any of the reportage mm. that's been going on in the media in the UK ICSA which as you pointed out isn't actually mm. related to this ICSA yeah have just released a report on um, sexual abuse within high control groups mm. and one of the groups they focused on was the Jehovah's Witnesses which um, I have actually got personal experience Not, I'm very lucky I haven't personally endured sexual abuse but mm. I have a very very close friend and she won't actually m- mind me naming her because she actually did feature right. on the Sky News report okay. and um she was actually one of the main reasons that I was triggered mm. to look into my beliefs and wake up because I just could not believe how her case mm. was dealt with by mm. the elders within the church. So with regards to what Donnie was talking about, her main the whole purpose of her um, presentation was about um, she 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 covered it all but with an umbrella term of sexual abuse, mm. but it, to drill down into it was all about sexual repression how um, sexual contact uh, is dealt with within cults and how it impacts on a person when they're in it and when they leave. So that's what yeah. we're going to talk about yeah. today. Yeah. Um, so she um, she started with quite a broad definition of sexual abuse. So I guess it's not, it's not necessarily um, what we might say is illegal. Um, mm-hmm. She broadened that um, that term, which I think is fair, and she um, she explained yeah. why she did that. I don't know if you've got any thoughts about that, Jordan. Did you uh, did you notice the way that the um, the definition was? Yeah, it's like you said. It's not your classic sexual mm. abuse in terms mm. of um, non consensual yeah. sex. It is a. It's more emotional, psychological, and in terms of cults, like um, you said, Bob, it affects you in and out of a cult as well. So mm. it's not just 
a physical thing. It's how you view sex, how you view it when you're in a cult, how you view it when you're out of it, and how it then affects your relationships with other people. So, like you said, it's it's mm. got a very very broad um, meaning. It's not your stereotypical non consensual sexual abuse. I mean, that comes under it, but of course. it's you know much wider, like you said. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's more it. It's more about the whole way that the theme of sexuality is mm. dealt with yes. within cults, but also actually within religion, mainstream mm. religion, mm. because I um, took, I had a little bit of a look to see what mainstream religions actually say about sex. And, you know, with that I'm talking about is Islam, Roman Catholics, mm. mainstream Christianity, and they are all mm. exactly the same. So it's all about you know, very much um, negative messages when it comes to sex, very much, you know, no sex before marriage, mm. heterosexual partners only, um, there's no room for any sort of gender identity um, questioning. Um, it, it's just mm. that and broader. So that's what we... And just quickly, about. sorry, I just whilst I think of mm. it as well, I mean, a very small part of it, but it does incorporate sexism as well because... Yes. Um, specifically with a lot of cults, high control groups, especially religion as well. Women are very much second class citizens yep. as well. So that that can be added to the, the framework as well yeah, in yeah. terms of sexual abuse. It's not all about sexuality. It's also sometimes just sexism included. Yeah, I think I think, you know, the more the more you think about this sort of area, the more that that patriarchal kind of um, hierarchy seems to be part and parcel of of the reason why these groups have such a negative view of well sometimes women at all um and other times of of sex um yeah. and that you know as you say that that cuts across all sorts of you know very broad uh, mainstream religions um so yeah they i think it's interesting that yeah. they talked about or that ronnie talked about sorry donny talked about donny um any situation that that uh, distorts one's sexuality or shapes a child's sexuality in a way as to cause shame and guilt negative yeah. messages um and mm. she described that that these things run like programs in the background um yeah. and i think we can all identify with that I mean, we're all born in i think aren't we or pretty much mm. raised yeah. let's say yeah um, i was and um i think yeah i think we we did have quite a well I, I think it was quite a strange view of of sex in some respects idealized and in other respects um yeah meant to to seem dirty and wrong and um yeah, yeah so that that's so. i think a really important area Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've already mentioned, uh, Jordan, about the the kind of sexism um, around this as well. So, I think that's that's a really important thing. Um, the presentation identified sort of two extremes, I suppose, in in terms of these groups. Um, and I suppose we have to um, we 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 focus on this podcast more around high control groups and of course that means that everything's turned up to 11 um but i think a lot you know as we already said a lot could be also shared with other mainstream groups um but if we think about these extremes you kind of have extremes of either you know complete abstinence um 
or it can be a sort of new age free for all. Um, yeah. I don't know whether you thought anything about that. Some of that was quite interesting, I thought. Yeah, I mean, with regards to that point, which obviously, yeah, again, um, obviously we have our experiences, which were very much the suppression yeah. of sexual um, identity and mm. desires. But then I know from, obviously, because my own interest now in high control groups, mm. there are or has been groups, cults out there, which, um, you know, are basically, they're just all about serving usually the leader. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and he has lots of different wifelets mm. or wives and, you know, he, he it's, I can't off the top of my head think of any um, to name perhaps, um, oh gosh, what was the one? Well, Waco. There's Waco and there's the Children of God yeah. um, group, isn't there? Children with God, David. Yeah, uh, yeah um, he had like, yeah. I mean, he's like, had, mm. 90 or something ridiculous some of them children as well it's it's absolutely yeah all underage um Mm. and you know again all in his own particular style of what he liked Mm. everybody had long hair everybody had Mm. these really high necked um dresses on um yeah so there's those like you said there's those two extremes there's never any middle ground Mm. um it's either complete suppression or complete free-for-all neither of which are healthy for the human mind absolutely so why why do you think and and um the, she just touched on this in the in the presentation but why do you think that groups high control groups use sex and relationships in this way either you know as you described um you know uh, overly um strict or or um or very uh, free-for-all why why are they using these um these sexual relationships it's I for me I think it's because sex is a massive part of your life. Mm. Um, whether you're single or in a relationship, it's a big part of your life. Um, yeah. So the way they you know using Jehovah's Witnesses as an example, the way it's policed is no sex before marriage. But then you've got, obviously got the thought crime to go with it, so mm. you can't have impure thoughts. So that's where the yeah. psychological element comes into it. Yeah. Um, but then even when you are married and you are allowed to have sex, then you have mm. to keep your sex life clean as well. Mm. You know, so, idea of clean, yeah. so mm. there's, there's so much without not, well, I'm not going to be explicit, but yeah, there's certain things witnesses can and can't do yeah. even as a married couple. But then at the other end of the extreme, it's, I think a lot of cult leaders, like I said, sex is a big part of people's lives, but I think these particular cult leaders may have certain, um, fetishes or things like mm. that that they have sort of use their prominence at the, the top of a cult they've got these people under their thumb and then they've got these sort of passions or mm. um, fetishes that they want to do and they sort of victimize people into fulfilling those um, but because they're a leader of a cult they're allowed to do it because nobody's yeah. above them and no one would dare question them yeah absolutely mm. yeah I would 100% agree with that it's all about control and it's all about manipulation. Um, so yeah. that is basically the bottom line for it. It is, and it's a it's a means of, um, of being able to wield power, isn't it? If you can, mm. if you can determine who somebody sleeps with and when they sleep with them, and um, if you can say to a husband, um, "You're not allowed to sleep with your wife," but by the way, I get to sleep with your wife. So obviously, we're not talking about Jehovah's Witnesses here. <laughs> they don't do that. But um, 
but you know in some of these groups it's clear that there is a control it's a way of uh, a means of control and it's all about wielding power um so yeah. it, it's like you know if you think about any any power play it's all about wielding control it's all about finding the way to leverage um that that and obviously sex is such a big part of life and that's one of the things that um that donny witset talks about you know sex is used to control Mm -hmm. and manipulate it is such an important part of our lives that of course yeah why why wouldn't a cult leader um use that as a way to control their their people Yeah. yeah absolutely um, so we've already talked about the um, the gender inequality within these groups, which I think you know is is very clear, um, mm-hmm. and and then we get to some of the consequences of this. So the consequences for, and and I think you know particularly for youngsters growing up in these groups, um, I think it's got to be more damaging if you come into a group like that. Then you at least you know what I suppose normal social interactions are but if you are brought up in that then you automatically think it's well it's normal you know um it's normal for uncle david to have or father to have multiple girls going into his room at night that's that's what happens you know um so what are some of the consequences then that come from this sort of upbringing yeah, I mean, um, just talking about the psycholog- uh, psychosocial consequences, yeah. I think we should start with that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that she pointed out, developmental arrest, which means you may go through a delayed or um, adolescent period, or when you do break free, yeah. you might go into this um, extreme exper- experimental phase yeah, where yeah. you're basically rebelling against your past mm. and then you find that perhaps you might be sleeping with multiple partners or, you know just basically going wild yeah so you get these two extremes where you basically just either you don't know what you're doing at all mm. or you go completely wild yeah <laughs> yeah um we had Jill on the um, on the podcast a, a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago now, probably um, Gillian Adams, who obviously she talks about this sort of thing quite a yeah. bit on her channel, and um, you know she she made the point that she sees people doing that really either either it's it's very difficult or they kind of they 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 just try everything you know and and while yeah. again the great thing is you know we don't judge that. Well, I certainly don't because we don't have to anymore. Um, no. It might not be in their interest. They might want to. That's fine. But if they're not sure, if they think, if we've been kind of conditioned to believe, well, that's what happens in the world. Everybody's doing that. So, therefore, when you leave the organization, that's kind of expected. Um, and it, yeah. it, it might actually provide pressure to get into situations that, that maybe not actually feel comfortable in. So, that it can... It can have some negative consequences there, I think, as well. Um, or it could just be a lot of fun, you know. So I guess there's there's that too, really. So uh, um, it, it can be lots of things, I guess. Yeah. One of what I wanted to talk about, actually, if you don't mind, is um, the guilt and shame yeah. complex. Okay. Um, because, um, mm. oh, well, I don't know, but because sexual... Um, identity is given such a negative connotation within the early your early upbringing even just having sexual feelings mm. you feel guilty yeah 
Um, and then when it comes to, you know, even personal um, sexual gratification for yourself, such as masturbation, as we all know, again, referring to the Jehovah's Witness upbringing, that is um, really, really frowned upon. I mean, when I was a, a young person, there was a publication that the Jehovah's Witnesses released called Young People Ask. And um, there was, I believe there was two chapters that covered masturbation. And um, it just from that young, impressionable age of a teenager where experimentation and learning about your body and of course you have all these hormones and all these feelings that you don't know what you're doing with yep. and then of course to be told that doing something that basically comes naturally which um you know masturbation is wrong and jehovah will think badly of you um for doing anything of the sort it really really messes with your mm, head absolutely because you just don't have a clue what you're doing because obviously um you're a human mm. and you have these feelings mm. and you want to um you want to act on them but then at the same time you feel guilt mm. because you're like oh my gosh you know I'm, I'm really i'm shameful and it's just constantly a replay of those feelings yeah. over and over again it makes you ill to be blunt yeah no it's, it's absolutely right um jordan have you got any thoughts about about that um I mean, obviously, speaking from a, a man's perspective, it's not yeah. healthy medically anyway, um, without being too graphic. Um, you get a massive hormonal and chemical imbalance. Um, so, you know, you can even look at it from that from that term, line of reasoning. But more psychologically, um, for me, speaking from experience, Jehovah's Witnesses put sex on a pedestal. I think, or I believe, mm. and it's that analogy of dangling the fruit or the carrot. Obviously, Eve was tempted by a piece mm. of fruit. So sex is a big part of your life. So if you tell someone you're not allowed to do that until you do this, that and the other, mm. well, what's the natural human inclination is you want to experiment, you want to do it. So um, yeah. that that's how they get you there with that, I think. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I... I I'll talk about this. I mean, I may decide to cut it out. And if if you're hearing this on the um, on the actual podcast, then you know I decided to keep it in. But um, obviously, um, it's different for everybody. Everybody has their own experience with with this. Um, so I don't pretend to be any different to anyone else. Although there are differences, as as you mentioned, Jordan, between men and women. So um, as you're getting to adolescence as a as a young man um certain things happen in the middle of the night let's say um so you'll wake up i remember waking up in the middle of the night and it was kind of too late to do anything about it and part of you doesn't want to do anything about it and the other part of you thinks i'm sinning mm. and um I've talked about this before in, in other settings about this worry about sinning against the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you guys remember yeah. that, but yeah. sin, one of the definitions of sinning against the Holy Spirit, in fact, I've talked about this recently, not in relation to this, but one of the definitions is to keep on with a course of sin. So in other words, doing something wrong over and over again. Yeah. And if you're talking about, like Jesus said, having passion for a woman even in 
in your thoughts, um, which is a thought crime. And, you know, you're thinking about things that might happen at at night, then um, you're, you're straight away thinking about maybe I sinned against the Holy Spirit there because I know what I should do and I know what I should think and I know what I shouldn't think. And, and so, you know, I, I agonized over that worried about maybe I've done that terrible thing because I keep doing it. I mean, I wasn't actually, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't what, what they worry about. We're going to talk about, um, pillow gate in a minute aren't we but um (laughs) so it wasn't it wasn't kind of that but it was i suppose when when they start talking about you know are you sleeping in the right position and are you thinking Mm -hmm. thoughts you know um it depends on and again we've i talk about this a lot about individual differences different children will react differently in in these situations so not everybody will have gone through that some Mm -hmm. some lads would have just gone oh yeah whatever and just moved on with their lives but for others who worry about it like i did um it's absolute torture. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I you know I don't know if yeah. I'll keep that in, but I think no, I think important. I think that you should, Stephen, mm. because I think it's really important. And I think you know, from a woman's perspective, you know, we have exactly the same issues. Sure. You know, it's um, you know, okay, we're on this topic, so I'm going to say yeah, around right. the time of your period, yeah, you get very um you get very hormonal and sometimes it's a release a Mm. bit like what you guys Mm. have spoken about and it actually helps with pain Mm. and um it's it's a it's a physical release it's not just a you know something that you want to do just because you know you're feeling horny or whatever Mm. it's actually it helps with things like cramps and stuff yeah and to deny that to yourself because you're panicking about Mm. you know whether this you know, thing you're doing is a sin or whatever, when actually it's a natural, yeah. it's almost like a natural antihistamine yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah. And um, I found it incredibly sad that, you mm. know, we were all put through that and yeah. even now people are being put through that because mm. it's actually nothing, and I want to reiterate mm. this over and over again, mm. there is nothing wrong with masturbation. And well, you certainly won't go blind like they used to say. Oh, right. Absolutely. <laughs> And she mentioned that, she didn't did. she? Yeah. And actually, I, I thought this was really funny. I wanted to say this actually a really good point, Jay. When she said, um, the only way you will go blind from masturbation is if you stare at the sun. <laughs> While you're, While doing, you're doing it. it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I thought, that's, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I should just say that as I was um, opening my soul about all that, um, my daughter chose that moment just to walk in and get something from a bag. <laughs> Scarred. Okay. <laughs> the What Should I Think About podcast has been going now since around November 2020 and we've really enjoyed doing it. We release at least two shows a week, it's about eight a month of course, with Sunday being an interview and Wednesday being our discussion about a new subject each week. We love you our listeners and we really value the interaction we have with you and we want to keep the podcast going. Currently I pretty much work on the podcast full time researching topics booking guests recording and editing with Celine working part-time doing very much the same things so in order for us to keep going and continue to improve we've reached that point in the life of a podcast where we have to make some decisions about how we support it financially most podcasts have ads either that are delivered by the podcast hosts or from third parties that interrupt the show 
we really don't want to do that. We want to keep the What Should I Think About podcast ad-free. So we're going to try something different to most podcasts. We'd like to ask you if you think this podcast is worth a pound or a dollar fifty or a euro twenty a month or whatever the equivalent is in your own currency. If you think it's worth that, we'd like to invite you to become a member or a patron for just that. So how we're doing it is we're flattening out our tiers on Patreon to just our single lowest tier. For those patrons, not only will you get the two public podcasts a week, but you'll also get exclusive video each month, bonus content of at least one a month and probably more, and exclusive access to the What Should I Think About Facebook private group, where you can contribute to our Ask Us Anything episodes coming up soon and talk about the show. We've got other plans too that will make your pound or $1.50 even better value. We can't say too much about that yet. We really want to make access to this community possible to everyone, and we think this minimal amount will do that, while providing the show with a small income in order for us to keep going. So the next few weeks, we'll be flattening out our tiers on Patreon and providing all benefits through the lowest tier, currently known as loss aversion, for just a pound or its equivalent in your own currency. So please consider being part of our community. Thank you. The link to our Patreon page can be found in the show notes. But no, but I think this is an important topic. And, and again, I know obviously that's all. I don't know, mm. understand. But this is something that it's natural. Mm. Everybody has this in their lives. Why is why are we expected to be so secretive about it? It's yeah. just part of human nature and who we are. And um, it's really refreshing now that we've left this sort of mm. high control upbringing and this high control life that we can be natural and talk about these mm. things because this is life. This is this is who we are. Absolutely, this is humans. I think as well. Mm. Like, I mean, obviously biologically, it's only possible for a male and female to reproduce. But in terms of sexual identity, mm. cults and especially biblical religious groups and cults, it's all about male and female mm. partners. That's right. And it really, you don't choose to be gay. No. I mean, I, I'm not speaking from experience, but mm. from what I do know about it and doing some research, you don't choose to be homosexual. You don't just wake up one day and decide to be homosexual. Right. It's, you know, you it comes out eventually, and that's what you're attracted to. And these barbaric groups and, and religion especially uh, have massive homophobic issues, such mm. as Jehovah's Witnesses. Yes. Absolutely. Um, you know, we've had um, Germ, Jeremy on, on the show. And we've yeah. um, we've had a, a couple of other guests who who are um, LGBTQ. And um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those areas that I, I always feel like I can't imagine what that must feel like to, um, no, to grow up with uh, not only all the stuff that we've just talked about, but then this self-denying thing that you've got to try and manage for the rest of your life mm-hmm. knowing that um you know there's not even a release you know for, for us there was a maybe a thought one day I might get married and maybe able to mm-hmm. have that release and we talked about that Jordan on on when we talked to you mm. on the podcast but um you know it's it, uh it's not there if you're if you're gay you know you think well I'll never I'll never get that release really not not in the way that I 
I feel it. And as you say, you don't choose that. I mean, who would? Who would choose that? If, you, if you're brought up in a homophobic, homophobic environment, who would choose that as your sexuality if you had a choice? Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Because you know what it's going to mean for you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, terrifically um, awful, yeah. difficult, terrible. Very. Mm. Okay, so um, so we got yeah, so that, we got so deep that's into guilt that. And shame. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for uh, bringing that up. Though I think it is it is important. Um, so there's some psychological con- consequences as well that she talked about, um, which I guess again things like being afraid of sex, um, negative emotions around it. Again, if you're brought up to think that it's something wrong. Um, then that obviously can make you feel like, yeah, should I be doing this? It's it's a wrong thing to do. Um, I think you're right, Jordan. I think with Jehovah's Witnesses, you said they put it on a pedestal, mm. um, I th- and I, I think that's right. They 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 do, especially for um, people like us who were raised in it. Yeah, um, because obviously when you reach adolescence or puberty, it's your body's going through massive changes. So, you know, you get to a stage where you reach your sexual peak. And then if you're not married, it's like you've got, like you said, inner demons to fight. Well, not demons, that's the wrong word, but you've got these inner battles to fight with that. Mm. You can't think about it. You can't do anything in private, you know, to yourself. And then when you are married, um, I mean, this is just my experience. And this is, I can't speak for every Jehovah's Witness cult member, etc. But for me... Um, it was a bit of an anticlimax because um, you put such emphasis on it. Mm. And it wasn't the the main reason I got married, but it was, it was certainly up there in terms Mm. of motivation to get married. Yeah. Um, It's just a very backwards way of of doing things. Mm. Um, And it's actually resulted um, me in the past having intimacy issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and because of the way I viewed sex and then, you know, mm-hmm. my first sexual partner and the way things went, it kind of, I wouldn't say it screwed me up a little bit, but it's, it didn't, it, I didn't get off to the best of starts with it. And then mm-hmm. I remember the first time that I had sex with someone who wasn't a Jehovah's Witness and I'm having sex outside of marriage, even though it's like, well, I'm not a witness anymore. I am mm-hmm. free. I wasn't necessarily free psychologically because in no. the back of my mind, I was still like, mm. you know, I'm, I'm not married mm. and I'm, I'm having, I'm, you know, I'm a fornicator essentially. Mm. <laughs> so you've yeah. got, you know, it's a very intimate thing to do with somebody. So when you've got those things to deal with mentally, whilst, you know, you're doing something very intimate and private with somebody, yeah. it kind of, it, it does cause intimacy issues mm. after yeah. you do leave a cult. Well, I would say anyway, that's just my experience. Yeah, well, that was one of the the things that is mentioned again in the presentation, isn't it? Um, And she sources uh, malts um, in that as well. So difficulty with or Mm. avoidance of intimate relationships. So absolutely, yeah. I thought this point she made was quite interesting as well, guys. You know, approaching sex as an obligation. So um, I have heard... (laughs) from people that I know of in the religion when they were friends of mine who were married, whose husbands were quite high, you know, highly sexed. Mm -hmm. And the women just didn't have those desires. So it was just 
obviously I'm talking about the fact that I had girlfriends that would confide things in sure. me. And and it would be like, well, I used to feel really sorry for both partners because the women would just be so shut down mm. to sex because of how they'd been brought up, because of how it had been given such negative connotations, that they just didn't feel any sort of enjoyment from it. So that they would do it to keep their partner happy. Yep. And the partner yep. obviously was in love with their wives mm. or whatever and really wanted to have sex with them. Yep. But they didn't have any enjoyment out of it. And I found that incredibly sad because it's mm. like you're trapped in this like cycle of like not enjoying something and you're never given within when you're within that high control group, you're never given the um, option of exploring what you might actually enjoy to make your experiences happy. You just feel like, you know, it's like, you know, yeah. do this, 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 done deed and you're done, you know. And and there's no happiness there. There's no connection. There's no intimacy. And, um, yeah, I thought that was a really good point, approaching sex as an obligation. Well, because I definitely yeah, know of a lot of women that mm, have been like that. Just sort of following on from that a little bit, there are religious and cultic groups which view sex for reproductive purposes only. Yes, yeah, you know, I so they're very anti contraception, and it's like yes. you can only have sex if you're going to reproduce, yep. yes. because certain religious groups mm. um, view it essentially as like I can't remember which religious group it was, but I vaguely remember no, the slogan: "Masturbation like is murder," <laughs> or something like that. Really? Yeah. Oh, because obviously you the yeah. the sperm and yeah, the, like that's missions. like you get. Yeah. little slogans like that you know I, I can't remember the exact group it was um but mm -hmm. i remember yeah I, you see things like that and it's like <laughs> well it goes back to the point yeah how they view it in terms of it's it's, it's for reproductive purposes only and it's, it's not yeah. for intimate gratification yeah. purposes as well as that if that's what you're trying to do yeah i know um, we used to have a, a call on a on a guy um he was a sikh um but there's quite a lot of different kind of groups that they have their own kind of gurus. So this particular group, you know, he, I remember him saying that to us, you know, that's sex is not to be enjoyed. It's literally just to have children. So we didn't ask him any more about it, but um, that that's one thing that Jehovah's witnesses, um, they, again, I think this comes back to your idealization point is, or this putting on a pedestal point. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses do have this slightly romantic, um, well, very romantic view of um, of sex, but obviously within those confines of marriage. So you get the Song of Solomon and intoxicating mm. breasts and so on, don't you? And uh, so there's this this idea that it, it should be and is going to be wonderful, um, and it kind of makes it even worse because <laughs> mm. you're going um, into it. I mean, like for me, I yeah. was going into it, and I thought it was going to be like this. And then it's like this. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah. you know, that's just obviously an isolated case, but it, 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 I, I'm sure it's happened to, to mm. multiple people. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to say about that, which uh, as you was talking, is the marital dew. Did they used to talk about that in your in your day? So um, they talked about I know what you're talking a about, marital yeah, but dew. I think it's kind of petered out a little bit towards... Is so that this was the, lately, but... Sorry, is that the... Are you referring to the passage of Scripture where it says... Um, sort of like you're fulfilling your marital vows essentially or am I completely thinking about something different well something like that but it's it's basically saying that mm -hmm. you, you know you 
you have a contractual obligation to yeah, fulfill yeah. your partner's sexual needs. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's your marital due, essentially. So you've, uh, so yeah, that I makes it sound right like, a, you know, like you've got An this obligation. levy that you've got. To, yeah, exactly. Which is, mm-hmm. it's the very definition, mm-hmm. isn't it? Well, that it's, word. it's funny you mention that because um, my mum was married previously um, to someone who was never a witness. But while she was a witness, she was going through the divorce. And... Um, she spoke to the elders about it and he'd obviously committed adultery and slept with someone else. And one of the questions the elders asked her were, were you fulfilling your marital vows? Because the way the witnesses view that is if you were denying your wife or husband sex, you are um, complicit or not complicit. You're um, basically you're partly to blame for your partner then committing adultery. Yeah, you know, so that's how they. That's, that's how they try to put that message. slant on that. That is, mm. I remember a talk um, with mm. exactly that message. The elder stood there saying, "You know, if you as a wife are not um, fulfilling your marital due, are you willing to be, you know, partly responsible for the breakup of your marriage?" Um, mm. And I remember wow. even at the time thinking, oh, "Wow, you know, that's um, mm. that's quite something, really." But yeah. Mm. It's quite interesting, actually, chaps, because I've been reading um, Lloyd's book, The Reluctant Apostate, yeah. recently, and I've, he's done a, uh, a piece, uh, one of the boxes he talks about is when the um, Watchtower Society, which, as we know, is the Jehovah's Witness religion, were meddling, as he puts mm. it, in marital couples' bedrooms in yes. the 70s, yeah. and that has impacted all the way through mm. the religion right up to today. And Jordan mentioned it briefly right at the start when he was talking about, you know, even some of the so-called sexual acts mm. that they don't consider to be, mm. you know, I think they consider it literally, you know, missionary pornier. position and that sort yeah. of mm. Yeah, pornier. Mm. So, you know, you know, no no anal, no oral, no anything out of what mm. they consider to be basic sex. Mm. And how much they meddled in that and how they were inflicted with this like loads of people were confessing to like you know marital couples Mm. were confessing to these so-called sins Mm. and how in the end they had to literally dial it all back again to like you know undo all the damage they'd done but even today it impacts on people's religion uh, sorry on people's marriages Mm. because like jay said right at the start you know the jehovah's witnesses are renowned for very straight laced Mm. Yeah, you know, you know, true. you know what's what before you even get married. Yeah. Absolutely, it's just terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's some um, physiological consequences consequences that um, um, actually, actually, I meant to say I always like to give people their proper title. So we've just been calling this uh, this doctor Donnie. Um, her her actual title is Donnie Whitsett, PhD, LCSW, clinical professor at the USC Suzanne Dvorak Peck School of Social Work. So I want to say that um, because we I like to respect yeah. people's um, work and qualifications. Um, but yeah. yeah, she talks about some of the um, physiological consequences too, um, yeah. which can involve um, obviously making it difficult actually when you, when you do try to have a sexual life um, later on. Um, so, you know, we we can go into that a little bit but i also want Mm -hmm. to get into some of the other things that that she talked about as well but is there anything that um you want to talk about the physiological consequences i think yeah well it's obviously from um 
it can cause sort of like low levels of libido. Um, yes. That can be one. Yeah. And like I've just got the list here and a couple, obviously. Um, the one that stuck out to me was difficulty with arousal, not feeling sensations at all. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then obviously the more the psychological side of it, but I kind mm. of interlinked it a little bit is the negative emotions when touched um viewing it as an obligation or compulsory um and you just feel disgusted in yourself you know especially for me using myself as an example the first time i you know had sex outside of a marital arrangement it was very weird um mm. it was it felt great but it was also a bit like should i be doing this even though i mm. don't go along with this theology anymore it's sure. always like she said it's always at the back of the mind um yeah but... yeah you, it's because your your mind has been programmed mm. And all our minds were programmed. So it takes a lot to unpick this, you know, programming that's been over and over and over put in. So that's a really good point that you just made, Jabe, you know, because even when you're intimate with somebody that you've got feelings for, or even if you're just having a, you know, casual encounter that you have agreed to, you know, you still have that guilt and that guilt triggers all these issues that you've just mentioned. Mm. Yeah, um, there's a uh, there's a podcast we did recently about the show, the Netflix show Unorthodox, um, which is about mm-hmm. a young Hasidic Jewish woman in a very specific community called the Satmar community in New York. But one of her problems was she got married, but she had absolutely no understanding of what sex was. You know, before she gets married, she literally has this talk by this woman who is explaining to her what sex is um and it is one of the difficulties that she experiences one of the reasons really why she um she leaves this group so that's definitely worth watching i think and uh, i want to read the book um deborah feldman is the author um and she actually came from that community and what what we found watching it was how much um how many similarities there are it's absolutely mm-hmm. extraordinary when you think that i mean there couldn't be more different in many respects although they're both from new york i suppose but um they are so there's so many similarities in in the way that women are treated the way that sex is thought mm. about and and so on yeah very um yeah but i suppose in a way it's not surprising because if you look back to the old testament the hebrew scriptures as we used to call it you know the the attitudes towards women and sex and so on is um is there isn't it it's in the bible the laws just, that were around it. I just wanted to say about that kind of tribal culture around sex is yeah. it's it's a massive example of gender inequality where mm. you know a woman is viewed um, sort of unclean if if she's not a virgin, but then a a man or someone in a prominent position in in tribal culture can sleep yeah. with basically mm. anybody. And that's okay, but you know, if a woman has lost her virginity before her wedding night, it's like, you know. Well, you know, what what do you do if a if a man rapes a woman? Well, you know, he's got to marry her. Mm. Mm. That's yeah. the answer. That's the well, answer. The woman, the woman, thirty pieces of silver, I believe. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. You know, I mean, mm. um, and and again, that's so. It's not surprising that Abrahamic religions um, that kind of spring from that are are going to have those attitudes towards it. I suppose we're getting into um, 
you know, atheistic and agnostic um, territory. But um, but yeah, it's for me, it's not. It isn't surprising. It's it's the tradition, and sure, over the years, it's been um, softened, I guess, in terms of the actual practices with many of the mainstream groups. But if you really want to go back to the fundamentals, then you start to read the Hebrew scriptures and the law, um, and you start to see how women were treated. Mm. And yeah. obviously sex has, has got a lot of part in that. Uh, right, we, we're up to sort of 50 minutes already, and we haven't we haven't even yet talked about trauma. No. Um, so I think we should no. talk about that. And um, I, I'm in a little bit of an uncomfortable position on this one, and I'll talk about why in a minute but um what what did you what were your takeaways on the on the theoretical kind of underpinnings of of this uh of 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 how to treat trauma or how to understand trauma because we've got these three um these three systems haven't we? we've got the neuroception system the stress response and the memory system yeah i think i was um (laughs) <laughs> this might just be my upbringing again coming into play but particularly when she talked about the um polybagual theory yeah. the uh different vagus um the mind how it dealt with trauma mm. i was just like how do they know that <laughs> well, you know like where did they I'm, get that from i'm kind of glad you said that because that is um that the problem is that what you I thought with it yeah um so i so just for the listeners yeah, to be explained what yeah. we're talking about so there's this thing called the polyvagal theory and it comes from a uh, an expert called stephen porges and um mm. so obviously uh this uh, this speaker kind of subscribes to that theory and uses mm-hmm. it as the basis to understand what's happening. And um, mm. so what, one of the basic ideas here is that we, um, as we evolved over the millions of years, we've um, developed, our brains have developed with different um, neurological networks. And so if you go back to our reptilian days, we had um, just freeze, well, the reptiles had just a freeze and faint response, which essentially means play dead, yeah. Um, and then as we get to the uh, mammals, then it becomes a fight-flight response. And then as we get to uh, more social animals, then we have this social engagement. And uh, polyvagal theory links these to specific um, parts of our nervous system. So um, the dorsal vagus, um, the sympathetic and the ventral vagus. And uh, yeah, so... I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I what I'm kind of worried about here. So I I, I no, actually you throw away because yeah. I bet we're on the same track yeah. with this. So I I actually think that there's a lot of sensible stuff there around these um, non-conscious or unconscious responses to stress, and they are very ancient. So fight and flight, for instance, and the freeze response, they're all very ancient. We do those without thinking, um, and of course there will be some physiological elements to that as well you know so if we're frightened or if we're nervous even we do things like we would have done if we were running from a saber-toothed tiger so that's you know we our blood starts to run faster our heart beats quicker we get um chemical changes in our body so these are very ancient um instinctive responses um and i personally am not sure we need this um this stuff around uh, evolution and and how how these different systems have evolved over time because 
um yeah you're right where's the evidence for this and and that's i did some yeah. research myself and i i struggle to find it now i'm i'm you know i'm a died in the wool evolutionist i absolutely know that evolution happens but in um psychology um i was trained to be very wary of um evolutionary psychology for instance you know thinking oh that we do this because if you go back millions of years it's because of this and that because mm. there is no way to prove it it's a just so yeah. story and i'm so glad you said that yeah, yeah. and um that I'm, I'm a bit conflicted because um I, obviously i feel that way and I, so i want to i want to say that on the other hand i think there's a lot of sensible ideas around the rest of it that talk about how the body responds and so on plus Donnie Whitsett contacted me after the um, conference and asked if she could use my poem in one of her courses. So um, I've, I've got a poem that I put into the, um, uh, the, the, the thing they did this, um, this, what was it called? Uh, the Phoenix project, they called it. And, uh, yeah. and she wanted to use my poem. So and she was ever so nice about the poem. So, you know, I, I love the fact that she was very complimentary about my poem. But on the other <laughs> hand, I was I was kind of really worried about, you know, we were brought up to believe something because we were told it's true. And I feel it's really important to ask, well, okay, where's the evidence for that? Yeah. Because we, you know, we know what it's like to be told, yeah. just believe it, you know. Yes. I think this is exactly my point because these, you've just hit the nail on the head because this really like stuck out to me because I was like, hmm, okay. And I'm glad you've done a bit of research because I just didn't have time to do sure. it and I wanted to go. And I was thinking, really? How did I know that 500 million years mm. ago the brain thought that and 400 million years ago the brain thought that? And it just, I was thinking, oh, that really doesn't, I don't, I didn't quite gel mm. with that point yeah. that was made. I don't know what you thought, Jay. Um, I can't really say that word, but it, I thought it was a bit of a mind. You can say what you like. It's all right. We're, say what you like. We're, uh, we're, we're all right. I thought it was a bit of a mind fucking itself, all of that. <laughs> yeah. I was a bit perplexed by, like you said, yeah. all these wild dates and how long ago this yeah. all happened. Like, not sort of um, just trying to regurgitate what you said, Stephen, mm. but I'm very much now evidence based myself. Yeah, yeah. So you can't, you've got fossil records to support evolution, but what evidence have you got to support, you know, a, a theory about how the mind has worked millions of years ago? Yeah. You know, so it sort of there's didn't a, really there's resonate a, with me very well. To be yeah. Honest. There's a kind Fine. of, there's a kind of, um, a little bit of an old fashioned idea about the reptilian brain and the mammalian brain and so on. Um, but the problem is, is, is if you're talking about billions or millions of years ago, then you're, um, it's, and I think this reflects a little bit of a naive idea that, you know, first we started with reptiles and then we came to mammals and then we came to primates, you know, that's not the way it worked, is it? Because there were, there's still reptiles around. So actually, you know, you've got not just a, a tree, but a network, a, a web of life that, um, that expands across the eons and and you can't really call something a reptilian um and that i'm not an evolutionary scientist obviously um but and i would accept it if i could see the evidence but one of the things that keeps coming up in the in the stuff i've and it is only an internet search but is you know where's the evidence for it well you know there's some of this and there's some of that 
if if anybody's listening who is an expert in this area and uh, you're shouting at the um, mm. at your um, pod app saying yes here is the evidence there's this paper here then absolutely i'd love to talk to you yeah Yeah. um and you know explain about it and in fairness um donnie witzer literally had 30 minutes to do this so she couldn't go into lots of detail so i i still remain to be convinced i suppose that's that's where i i sit but i thought the hyper arousal and hypo arousal arousal ideas were very interesting. Um, I don't know what you thought about that. So you've got on the one hand, hyper arousal. I can't yeah. say that. Hyper arousal. Um, so that we might respond that way, or we've got hypo arousal, um, mm. which is the kind of opposite. It's quite interesting actually, because sorry um, to hijack again with this, no. but with regards to both of these, um, I in my personal life have experienced both. Yeah, not related so much to sexual mm. trauma literally to life trauma yeah um so when it talked about the hypo arousal when she talked about hypo arousal and she was talking about disassociation and um depression um i've ha- experienced many years of mental health mm. issues are completely related 100 percent to being brought up in a cult which Mm. completely suppressed my mental you know mine the whole trauma of trying to balance you know i'm gonna die any minute now in a fiery ball of armageddon with um actually trying to live a life in Mm. this normal everyday society um i think i lived in a perpetual state of probably both hyper arousal and hypo arousal because i suffered from anxiety nightmares and I suffer with dissociation and depression. Mm, so mm. I think the two poles are what she calls traumatic responses. Mm. I think if you have been brought up in such a high control, conditional, um, religious cult, you're going to really struggle. And I, I've yeah. yet to meet anybody that mm. hasn't had mental mm. health issues. Uh, perhaps we should just um, clarify what what those are. So hyper arousal would be, yeah. um, you know, things like fight, run away. So fight or flight, um, reliving memories, having nightmares, having anxiety. So this is when we're in a, a sense of you know um, high anxiety, I suppose. Um, hypo arise, arousal is when we do the opposite. Is when we um, when when we become kind of numbed depressed um Secluded, lethargic that sort of thing yeah yeah i would just say for me as well that the one that stuck out for me on the hypo arousal was the excessive sleeping i can yeah. Yeah. i'm an absolute testament to that because mm. i've always slept a lot anyway um i say a lot but since i became out of um the jehovah's witnesses i've never slept so much mm. and one thing I learned later on in my life about how my father dealt with stressful situations was he would just go to sleep a lot. <laughs> he told yeah. me about how when he went through his divorce prior to marrying my my mother, he slept for pretty much three days, <laughs> and then he you know and then he dealt with it and tried to progress yeah. that way. But for me, since I've been out of um, the Jehovah's Witnesses, um, I've experienced not just excessive sleeping. You know, I've I've had you know, other issues go on as well, uh, mentally. But the main one that sticks out to me is just sleeping. Same. I like to go to a place, I say I go to a place, I like to just do something where I don't have to think about something that I'm particularly stressed or anxious about. And I would, 
some sometimes I would wake up, I'd have like a an extended power nap for about two or three hours. I'd wake up for half an hour and then I'd want to go back to sleep again. Hmm. You know, so yeah, that 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 yeah. for me personally, that was one that stuck hmm. out to me the most. No, I, 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 I sleep way too that. much for someone who's twenty six going on twenty seven. <laughs> no, you don't, Jay, because when I, I mean, obviously I'm a bit older than you, and um, I remember I used to go on holiday with my girlfriends and I would sleep constantly. So, like, I'd be on the beach, I'd be asleep. I'd go home to the apartment, everybody would be getting ready to go out, I'd be asleep. I'd wake up, go out, come back, go to sleep. I was, like, sleeping so much. My friends used to say to me, why are you always asleep? And I couldn't answer, I didn't know. And then um, when I used to go to the conventions, I used to sleep. I used to sleep through all the conventions. Never used to be awake for any of these assemblies. And I actually said I had um, quite intensive counselling last year when I left the religion. And I spoke to my counsellor about this and I said, you know, I'm renowned for just sleeping all the time. I could sleep anywhere. I have no issues with sleep. And um, she said to me, that is the brain's way Mm -hmm. of protecting itself. So when you are completely overwhelmed and you're unhappy or literally you're hearing, like at the assemblies, you're hearing stuff that you can't deal with, the brain shuts you down and makes you go to sleep. And mm. I just thought that was fascinating. And I completely believe that now. Like, if mm. you sleep, it's literally because your brain wants to rest. It can't cope with what it's trying to... I've know, been moaned at in my, by my ex-wife because I slept a lot. Yeah, You know, why are you always yeah. going to sleep? You know, I, I remember so. going to the doctors once in my... I think I was a Did you? late teenager. And I, I said, I, I'm always tired, you know. Um, I'll never forget Dr. O'Reilly. Um, he was a bit of a cool doctor. He had a little ponytail, so he obviously was cool. Um, and he said, uh, are you sure it's not because you're bored? Yeah. <laughs> are you sure no, it's not because you've got a boring you... life? No, that's another word for it, isn't it, to be honest, Dave? Well, it, I think it was for me. I, like, I had nothing really to look forward to, nothing to... Um, you've got to engage yeah. the brain mentally, like yeah, you said. Exactly. And if you've got yeah. a very repetitive lifestyle, that is boring. <laughs> Boring and, and yet quite an, an anxiety inducing, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so I think it's spot it's on really. Really interesting, guys. <laughs> I just think um that it's really it's actually nice for me to talk to you both and realise that you both have had that same mm. experience where you just sleep all the time. Mm. I, I still um, do now. Um like even today, yeah. like it's my day off from work. I mean, um I sort of I woke up, had a bit of a lay in. And then I've I've had stuff to do today, but then because it's my day off of work, I get to around lunchtime and I have my lunch, and then I'm I'm I gotta go to bed for an hour because I'm yeah I feel like I'm shattered and I've not done anything physical, you <laughs> know mm. I've had a little bit of mental engagement with certain things I've been working on, mm. but nothing too strenuous. But it's still it's a it's a bit of a vicious cycle really I think in mm. in terms of getting a um a healthy sleeping pattern. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I'm going to try and wrap it up a bit now because um, uh, I'm personally also getting a bit tired now. Um, so uh, so and plus I want that second glass of wine that I've uh, I've got ready. For oh yeah. Um, so um, I, I thought this this uh, this positive note would be perhaps good to to end on for tonight. The uh, the brain remains plastic throughout your life. Um, so yeah, yeah um, I think we are all left with some well i can't speak we can't speak for everybody else but i think from our own experiences we can say that we were left with some 
uh, damage, if you like. Um, but the great thing about the brain is that it makes new connections and you know it can it does rewire itself all the time in fact every time we learn something new that's rewiring our brain and that's pretty amazing um and it it is great news so it means that with some help and and of course she encourages you to go to therapy if if you have some of these issues then um yeah with that help you can actually help to start rewiring it that's not to think that you'll never have any issues but i think you know I personally feel like I've been able to overcome some of the issues that that were caused by that religion. And I, I don't know about you guys. Mm-hmm. No, I, I would completely agree. I think I think it is completely possible. She says, you know, you can relearn yeah. that sex is pleasurable. Yeah. It's not harmful. And um, yeah, I think that is completely possible. She has some so tips and things that maybe um uh, so I think we we're, we're going to try and do this sort of semi regularly aren't we? So um, maybe we yeah. we um just sort of cover that off at the end next time and and we think about another subject as well. I know we've got mm-hmm. one or two things that we want to talk about. So we'll we'll finish that off next time. Um and we've also got some other things coming up including the Voltaire lecture which we're going to attend um virtually and then we're going to talk about so uh yes. that's something to to look for the future um so we'll we'll finish off the discussion around sexual relationships and stuff and we will talk about pillowgate as well because I, I know that's something that we wanted to to link to this conversation so uh so yeah um so i guess that just remains for me to say Definitely. thank you very much to both of you uh, oh one thing i should say producer bob i was asked um, is that the same producer Bob who does the work on the Lloyd Evans show? So I didn't say yes or no because I didn't know whether you wanted yes, to. It is. It is. Yeah, Indeed, I don't it mind. Is. Yeah, I, I am very busy bossing Lloyd around <laughs> quite a lot behind the scenes. Very good. <laughs> Not that he takes much bossing. He's, he's very much in charge. So actually, he bosses me around. Right, I do okay. what he says. Very good. <laughs> And of course, Jordan. Jordan oh, and you—you're heavily involved in JW Watch, so um, that's that's another big part of what you do. And of course, Jordan has his um, YouTube channel, his podcast called The Shouldn't Experience. Um, what have you been doing recently, Jordan? Um, well, today we've I've set a Patreon account up for it, um, so I'm looking to sort of <laughs> you can't have, you can't advertise your Patreon account on uh, on my channel. Um, now what have i been doing recently um you can really it's all right yeah be a be a patron for um, for jordan go for it no 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 i was only i was only only winding up with that um i've got plenty of stuff in the pipeline i mean it's in terms of content um one of the videos i've got coming up uh quite soon actually my next video will all be about information control so it's something you're quite oh interesting um Mm quite uh, keen on yourself but yeah i kind of go into the, yeah. the bike model a little bit with that um and then i'm going to explore um the second installment of the bible horror stories series because i thought as a jehovah's witness no. um that book played a big part in my child indoctrination so i want to sort of revisit ch- chapters which stuck out to me so there is a noah's ark special to look out for as well on that really so i've got stuff in the pipeline but that's sort of like the, near, the near future with it stuff coming up great okay that. well check that out and uh, yeah um, 
yeah, be a patron as well for, for, for Jordan. Great. Thank you very much, guys. It's been it's been great Thank fun. Thank you. Speak to you soon. Yeah. Pleasure. Okay, take care.